Hello, hello, hello to the dearest, most wonderful people in the world, God's wonderful people. In the car again, and Chad is driving. God bless Chad. Hey, everyone. And today, I want to minister the Word. I brought my Bible with me right here, sweet saints. I was reading this morning 1 Samuel 30, and the Lord really touched me in a precious way. And I want to just share the Word with you, but first, can we pray? Wonderful Jesus, oh precious Redeemer, touch your people, Lord, today and bless them. Minister your word to them, Lord, how we all need to hear your voice. We bless your holy name, to you be all the glory. Amen, amen, amen. It's the story of David when he went to Ziklag and how the Lord restored to him everything he lost. I've spoken on this before, but I pray that God will use this today to really encourage you, to speak to you, that whatever losses you've had in your life, maybe spiritual losses, maybe physically, maybe emotionally, maybe financially, maybe with something else than just that. But what God did for David, he'll do for all of us. If we do what he did. Because see, God is not a respecter of persons. And so think about the situation he faced. It came to pass, I'm reading 1 Samuel 30, verse 1. When David and his men were come to Ziglag on the third day, that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziglag, and smitten Ziglag and burnt it with fire. He lost everything that day except his loved ones, of course. But his house was gone, and the houses of all his people gone. Their possessions gone. And it says, and they had taken the women captives that were therein, and slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burnt with fire. Their wives and their sons, their daughters were taken captives. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. Imagine the, the emotional trouble they had, the challenges they faced that day. Their own kids were gone. Their families were gone. And it says, And David's two wives were taken captives. And it says in verse 6, And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him. He almost lost his life for that. Because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. Now, here is the first thing he did. It says he encouraged himself in the Lord his God. Praise. Praise, I believe, is the first weapon of restoration. If you want to see restoration, you need to begin praising the Lord, even when it's tough. You know, the Bible talks about a sacrifice of praise. You know, if we praised the Lord in good times, it would not be a sacrifice. 
But when we praise Him in bad times, it's a sacrifice. And God responds to that sacrificial praise. Now, why praise? Well, here's why. Number one, it's where God lives. And that becomes your habitation too at the same time. In Psalm 23, uh, 22 verse 3, God dwells in the praises of his people. Number two, in Psalm 100 verse 4, it gives us access to the throne. Isn't that wonderful? We enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Praise gives us access to the throne room. That's why it changes the condition of, the, of, of, of what people are going through, what you're going through. When you begin to praise the Lord, God and his presence now become tangible. And you have access into his presence. Number three, it says in Isaiah 61, three, that praise changes our garments. God will, will give us garments of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Changing our garments means to change our situation completely. And that's what happens in praise. There's tremendous power in praise. Oh, so powerful. Because there are times we have to change our prayer into praise. And David understood that. And then in, in Psalm 50, verse 23, it says, praise brings deliverance. Please write all this down. It's so powerful. So, number one, it's where God lives. Psalm 22, 3. Number two, it gives us access to the throne. Psalm 100, verse 4. Number three, it changes our garments and our situation. Isaiah 61, 3. Number four, deliverance. Psalm 50, verse 23. And then Psalm 59, 17 says that praise brings protection and preservation. God will protect us and preserve us in praise. And another scripture that says the same thing, by the way, is Psalm 71, 6, 7, and 8. So two portions here I'm giving you that give us protection and perseverance. Oh, sorry, preservation, I mean. And, pers and perseverance too, but anyways, God preserves us and protects us. That's Psalm 59, 17, and Psalm 71, 6, 7, and 8. Number six, uh, praise is our weapon of war. So with praise now, we battle the enemy and win. That's in Psalm 149, six through nine. Hallelujah. That the praises of your mouth be like a sword against the enemy, it says. And finally, Praise in Second Chronicles 20, verse 22, releases God to do battle. Think about all I just gave you. I gave you enough to start you going on the road to recovery, restoration, full recovery. 
Because David recovered all, it says. Everything he lost was back because of praise. But what else did he do? Well, let's, let's keep on reading here in 1 Samuel 30. Not only did he encourage himself on the Lord his God in verse 6, it says in verse 7, And David said to Abiathar, the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. Why? What does the ephod represent? Agreement. Agreement in prayer. There's tremendous power in agreement, saints. Tremendous. Why? Well, let me give you a few examples. Uh, do you remember in Exodus 17, when Aaron and Ur held up the hands of Moses, and what happened? Victory over the enemy. So not only praise, but agreement is very important with, with recovery and restoration. That's Exodus 17, verse 12. What else? Well, agreement in Matthew 26, 38 to 41, it says agreement will deliver us from temptation. The enemy loses when we come into agreement because his, his, his weapons cannot work now in our agreement. Think about all I've given you. In praise, God comes on the scene. In agreement, he dismantles his weapons from him. Hallelujah. And then number three, and, and by the way, that's Matthew 26, 38 to 41. Well, the Lord, could you, could, could you not wait and tarry with me? Wow. In Acts 1, 14, and 24, it was agreement that enabled the apostles to make to make the right decision about who to who to replace, who would replace Judas. Imagine if they put the wrong man in there. It was agreement that enablement enabled them to make the right decision. Power in agreement, saints. And today I'm going to agree with you that God Almighty will restore everything in your life. And then in Acts 2, 12, well, we all know that one. That's when the power of God came on the day of Pentecost, when they were all in agreement in one accord. Tremendous power in agreement. Number five is Acts 3, from verse 1 to verse 7, when Peter and John together, walking into the temple, said silver and, and gold, we have none. Miracles happen because of agreement. What else happened because of agreement? Well, number six is Acts 4, 31 through 33. It says they were all in one heart, one agreement. And as, as a result, great power came on the church. If you want great power in your life, find someone to agree with and someone who will agree with you. In those early days, I had a man named Jim Pointer who prayed with me. Later, Johnny Arnott, who began to work with me. Do you know it was agreement that moved me from Canada to the US? John and I came into agreement that God would do that for me, and he did. Agreement, so powerful. 
And the Bible says because of that agreement, the seventh result is none lacked among them in Acts 4.34. I mean, this is a power untapped in the lives of many people. Or think about Acts uh, 12. Peter came out of prison because of agreement when they all prayed and Herod wanted to kill him. And in Acts 16, Paul and Silas in prison, in agreement, they were set free from, from the prison. In Ephesians 6, 18 through 20, uh, Paul said that their agreement with him would give him boldness to preach the gospel. So powerful. In Colossians 4, 2 and 3, that's number 11, by the way, Paul spoke about agreement opens doors. And finally, in 2 Thessalonians 3, 1 and 2, he said agreement will bring the Word of God into the lives of people. It'll, it'll bring access to the Word of God. The power of agreement. David also did something else. These are tremendous keys for recovery, sweet saints. And I am reading here verse 8. And David inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? He answered him, Pursue. What is that? That's faith. You know, faith prays, faith expects, and faith has a destination. When our prayer becomes faith, it turns into expectation. When our expectation is activated, it turns into what? It turns into action. So prayer must become faith, and faith must become expectation, and expectation, action. And when we act, it happens. When I began in the ministry, it was a massive step of faith. I used to stutter. I didn't think I could preach. And God did not heal me till I opened my mouth in Oshawa, Canada, at Trinity Assembly of God Church, Pentecostal Assemblies in Oshawa, in Canada, in the basement. December 7, 1974. I was 21 years old. I never thought I could preach. Could not even speak hardly. Had a very bad stutter. And I got up behind that pulpit. There was no more than, I don't know, a hundred young people there, maybe less. And when I opened my mouth, that action came. But everything in me knew. I would preach. And you know that Satan fought me for two weeks before that, telling me I'll never preach, I could not preach, God will never use me. And I rebuked him more than once. I remember one time at a bus stop, I rebuked him. I said, you're a liar. And God Almighty came through for me because I turned my prayer into faith and my faith into expectation my expectation into action. And I got up there and began preaching. 
And I felt numbness hit my mouth. And I began talking so fast, I had to tell myself to slow down. In my mind, I was saying, slow down, slow down, slow down. What a glorious beginning that, that was. I would not be what I am if it, if it wasn't for the faith that God has put in my heart. I told you the story. I was on a plane flying back from Tokyo, a private plane, years ago, when uh, they lost uh, the navigational systems, all, all went out. That was before GPS. And, 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 and God spoke to me as I was praying. And I began speaking to everyone on that plane, everything as well. My expectations were so high. And when we landed, we ran out of fuel. But God saved my life and the lives of those on that plane. There's tremendous power in faith. Faith overcomes the world. And it's in you already. It's in every one of us. And it is developed and grown through the Word. The more you know the Bible, the more the faith of God is in you. And David, you know, of course, knew that. And faith always ha has a destination. If it, if it has no destination, it's, it's not faith. It says uh, in Romans 10 and verse 10, unto salvation. Unto means destination. Wow. Now let me just go on. So he took an act of faith. That's what happens. Praise. And you know what also? Anyone who praises walks in faith. It's impossible to praise without faith. It's impossible to come into agreement without faith. But now we have to act. So, you know, faith is doing. Faith is action, like James says. So we have to do it. I'm talking to someone today who needs to take a step of faith today in whatever battle you are facing. Take a, a step of faith or otherwise it will not work. I had neighbors. I'm just driving here in Orlando and I'm not far from that location where OCC was. And the neighbors wanted me out of the neighborhood because of the traffic we were causing. And they tried to uh, uh, cancel our uh, what we had gotten from the city, claimed that the zoning, this and zoning, it was a big mess. And the Lord spoke to me to go and walk around those homes. He, he said, walk around and every home you, you claim, I'll give it to you. And one New Year's Eve, I'll never forget, I said to our pastors, I said, today we're gonna take a walk. Right after that New Year's Eve service, when, they, when those neighbors were sleeping, so we're going to go and lay hands on their homes, walk around their homes and claim every house. We, we went four blocks and claimed homes everywhere. In one year, we had, a, we had them all. And they wanted me out of the neighborhood. And we tried to buy those homes and they refused it. They said, no, we, we, will, we will never sell you the house or houses. And then we built on that same area is where, the, where that that construction was for the for the crusades when we right before we began those crusades we built that building that God used for the crusades that blessed millions 
right where those neighbors were, where their homes were. I took a step of faith, said, let's do it now. Sometimes that's the only way things happen, saints. You have to step out in faith. The Jordan River did not split till the children of, of Israel walked in it, till the priests walked in it, and then it split. Or the Red Sea, the same thing. And I'm telling you, I'm talking to people right now who need to take that step of faith and that miracle will happen. But praise has got to be a part of your life. Agreement too. All right, let's, let's, let's go on. And then it says in verse 10, And David pursued he with his men. Not only did he, did he pursue, but I love what it says here in verse, in verse uh, 16. And when he had brought him down, behold, they were spread abroad upon all the earth, eating and drinking and dancing because of the great spoil they had gotten. And David took his authority. He penetrated the enemy's camp. Wow. He took action by taking authority. So I think we all need to take our authority and attack the enemy's position. And only when we praise, we can get that kind of power in our lives flowing. And then we agree with someone. And then we, we take that step of faith that God says, do it now. And then we take our authority. My parents were not saved till I took my authority. My mom and my dad for three years did not want to hear the gospel. They were blinded by the enemy. I prayed for three years, nothing happened. My daddy used to uh, have uh, what was called a hubbly-bubbly, like a, uh, when they smoked, you know, in our part of the world, they put it in a little bottle and the tobacco on the top. It's called a hubbly-bubbly, and they smoke it. He had an empty hubbly-bubbly with, with rocks under uh, on the bottom with a little red book. And the Lord spoke to me, said, go and break that bottle and burn that little book. I had no idea what, what the book had, had to do with my parents' salvation. So I did, but I was afraid for my daddy to see it. So they were gone, and I went and broke that bottle, and I took that red book out of there. And the, and the Lord said, throw it in the, in the fireplace. Believe me when I tell you, it would not burn. That book would not burn. And finally the Lord said, rebuke the power behind it. I said, devil, I'll rebuke you in Jesus' name. And screams, I heard screams coming out of that book. I'm telling you, it happened. Take my word for it. And as it burned, the screams came out. And my parents were saved the next night. And I took authority in my bedroom right before that, by the way, which I didn't tell you. I put, I, I pointed my finger to the floor. I said, Satan, I've had enough. I said, let them go now in Jesus' name. Because the Lord said, take your authority. I, I prayed for, for three years. I begged, in fact, for three years. Nothing happened. I took my authority that, that day, the day before they got saved. 
And the Lord said, now go break that bottle and burn that book. And I just, I knew it was the Lord who spoke to me. I ran downstairs and did it. I took my position. You see, the devil is not afraid of your name. He's afraid of the name of Jesus in you. He's not impressed by our name. It's not really our name that he cares about. It's our office. We have an office that Jesus gave us and we can take authority over him because the Lord said, go in my name. Not just heal the sick. He said, I give you power over all the part of the enemy. That's authority. I give you power over all the part of the enemy. And David took his authority and saw a miracle. It's time you do the same thing, sweet people of God. I'm talking to somebody who needs to do that. And finally, it says in, uh, in verse 18, let me just read this. And David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. Wow. He saw recovery, but he also understood one more key. It says, it says later that he sent of the spoil gifts to the elders of Judah. Isn't it amazing? He, he understood something. So it says, and David, and when David, verse 26, came to Ziglag, he sent to, uh, of the spoil unto the elders of Judah, even to his friends, saying, behold, uh, a present, behold, a present for you of the spoil of the enemies of the Lord. And what did he gain? His throne. God went way beyond restoring to him what the Amalekites had taken. He even restored what Saul had taken, the throne. Because for a whole, for nearly two years, he was in the, in the land of the Philistines. In fact, to be exact, it was like a year and four months but think, think about, think about that everything lost was restored when he praised, when he agreed with someone in prayer, when he stepped out in faith, when he took his authority, God gave him back what he lost in Ziglag. But he, he never got the throne till he did one more thing. Sent of the spoil to, of the enemies to his friends basically gave an offering. Wow. And giving reminded those friends he's still there, who probably forgot about him. So it's, it's amazing what, what faith can do, because every one of these steps, there's faith behind it. So when I talk about faith as action, you bet. But there's no action without faith in the heart anyways. Like nobody can praise without faith. Nobody can agree without faith. Nobody can, can step out without faith. And nobody can take authority without faith. Nobody can give without faith. And I'm gonna pray right now with you that God Almighty will restore to you everything stolen from your life. And I mean everything that, that the enemy took from your life. This truly is your season for recovery. I believe that 
with all my heart for you. You are God's most wonderful beloved saint I'm talking to, God's people. And I'm talking to you as an individual too. You're God's beloved saint, beloved of God. Your very hairs are numbered. God watches over you way more than you'll ever know. And he cares about your needs. So let's pray. Father, in the most glorious name of Jesus, I believe right now, Lord, with everyone listening, everyone watching, they will see total restoration, total recovery, just like David did. I pray right now faith will arise in their hearts mightily. Let them, Lord, know it and let them see power in their life, your power, that will bring restoration in the glorious name, Jesus. Wonderful, precious, beloved Jesus. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Well, I hope and pray this has blessed you today. And right now it's time to give. It's time to say thank you to the Lord. It's now to express, it's time to express our faith in his promises because he promised to take care of us financially too. Thank you, by the way, for uh, being with me. And thank you for your support. Uh, God has given me a wonderful family in all of you. Anyways, you can, you can sow your seed on the platform you're watching me on. You can go to our website, benin.org, or you can simply text BHM45777. And don't forget to order my new book, The Mysteries of the Anointing. A lot of people are ordering it now. In fact, uh, one lady named Janet just told me that she has ordered, pre-ordered 10 of them already. So a lot of people want this book because I talk about my experience in what I discovered in the anointing of God because there are dangers also people don't know. And I talk about the three rivers of the anointing. The anointing of 1 John 2.27 and 1 John 2.20 and other portions that is within your heart that, that comes at salvation. I talk about the anointing that God uh, anoints ministers with and people he uses with. That's Acts 1.8. You shall receive power for witness. And then I talk about the anointing of Acts 10.27. That is for nations. Builds nations, destroys nations. But I major a lot on the first two. And the danger in the second one of Acts 1.8 because it's, it's possible it's possible to be anointed for ministry and be rejected by the Lord. Because remember, they come and say, Lord, Lord, he says, I don't know you. It's possible to be involved in witchcraft and be anointed like Balaam. It's possible to have a devil and be anointed for ministry like Saul. So it's very important we understand the mysteries of it. And I've learned a lot from uh, being a part of the Catherine Kuman ministry for four years and being a friend of, of the, my dear friend Oral Roberts, 20 years, he was my neighbor. We talked so much about this and others. And then in my own ministry, I've learned so much about how the anointing works. And I want you to know how it works and how God can use you too 
safely and wisely with longevity of life and ministry. So you can get it by, in fact, it'll be out April 5. Yeah, you can get it through Amazon. It's published by Charisma House. And, uh, or go to the bookstores. But go ahead and pre-order from our ministry. You know, you can get the book from our own ministry. You can just send an email right now if you want. That book will send it to you. Uh, we'll, get, we'll, get, we'll send you the information. And that's pastorbenny at bennyhin.org. So if you want the book, you can write me an email. That's pastorbenny at bennyhin.org. And we'll, we'll send you all the information you need to get it. Okay, much love. Bye-bye.